0: This is the non microwave truth, and I am CL Whiteside. Are you ready? I said, Are you ready? Let's get into our first real problem question today. This is one of those like, What came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. You tell me, what do you think? But our first real problem question today is, What do you think comes first between your thoughts? and your feelings now just googling this i got all types of different responses first thing i googled it says feelings come first thoughts are ways of dealing with feelings that's like well are they then i read something else that talks about you know if you have a situation let's say i walk into a room with a bunch of different people and i start talking to them i could think they're all staring at me because they don't like me and then that will cause me to feel nervous or anxious But then someone was like, you might not even think that they're staring at you. You would feel that they're staring at you because it's like, how do you even know that they're staring at you? But what do you think? What comes first, the thought or the feeling? I feel like if it's cold, if I walk outside, I'm going to feel that it's cold first. And then I'm going to think like, I need to put a hat on my bald head. And like, I think most things say that we feel first and then we think. But like, do you think Jesus was different? Do you think that Jesus thought first and then felt? What do you think? And this is our first world problem. What comes first, a feeling or a thought? Remember, i love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. This is the fourth and final episode of our series of modern day idols. And we're looking at my feelings, your feelings. You know, I'm the type of person that just goes off of vibes and energy. Like, I can feel how it should be. And I can see who people really are by the energy and the vibes that I feel. I just feel that since my heart is leading me towards them, it's good. It's okay. Like Why would God allow me to feel this way if it wasn't right? I feel... How do you feel? Now, this is one of those high key idols we live by and we don't even realize it half the time. But how many of us justify doing what we did or didn't do because I did or didn't feel like it? I know I'm not alone with that. I know I'm not alone with thinking this or feeling this. And this is definitely, definitely an idol because we prioritize how we feel over what God says to do or don't do. And for that very reason, this is why this is an idol we have to talk about today. We have to talk about it. Now, the feelings that I want to talk about today are passion, excitement. That's a strong idol right there. That's a feeling right there. If I feel it, if I'm passionate about it, if I'm excited about it, we got to talk about that. How about the feeling of anger, especially when anger is justifiable or you're even fighting for justice? That can be an idol for sure, a false god. How about the feeling of, I'm afraid, I'm super uncomfortable. And we know that when you have fear and uncomfortability, that's where stress comes in. And what do we all want? We all want to be safe and we all want to feel comfort. The feeling of entitlement, that's another one we have to look at today. None of us will say we're entitled or feel entitled though, but we would just say, I deserve this. I believe I deserve this. Well, really, do you? And we'll look at how that becomes to God today. And the last one we want to look at, the feeling is when this doesn't make sense. The feeling of uncertainty, the feeling of this is illogical because what do we want? We want control. And on this episode of Modern Day Idols, My Feelings, I have to reiterate the point that these feelings in and of itself, aren't bad. And in fact, some of the feelings, they actually promote things that are good and godly. But, but when those feelings make us or start promoting us to doubt God, or those feelings all of a sudden become our God and our motivation for doing each and thing, and it's out of God's will, that's when it becomes a false God and an idol. And the first feeling that we're going to look at today is that feeling of like excitement, that feeling of passion that makes you say like, oh my goodness, did you see her, fam? She is beautiful, beautiful. Or no matter what age, no matter what gender, love is love. If loving you is wrong, then I don't want to be right. Now, King David He's a great example of allowing his excitement, allowing his passion, allowing his lust to be his idol. And I have to point out that his culture told him it was all right to have someone he wasn't supposed to have in God's eyesight. They're probably like, you're a king, David. You, David, you got all these victories. You're a king. You do you, man. Follow your heart or wherever your desires take you, David. And that, my friends, is the exact same thing that our culture tells us to do today. Follow your heart. Follow your passion. But what if your passion and your heart is leading you in the wrong direction? What then? And just think about this. How many times have you said this or how many times have you heard people today use the excuse of, why would God allow me to feel so strongly about this or this person? If I'm not supposed to be with them, like if it's really wrong, why would God allow me to feel like this? I got breaking news for you. That's probably not coming from God. And what we see with King David's passions, excitement, he allowed that to dictate his sexuality. And you're like, well, what do you mean by that? I got cold hard facts for you. God created one woman out of Adam. Not two, not three. He didn't create another dude out of Adam, but one woman. Now, don't forget, he could have created an elephant out of Adam if he wanted it to be, but he didn't. And you're like, what are you, what are you referring to? Genesis 2 verse 23 and 24 says this, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And how many people say bump this idea of God when the thing that they desire, their passion, their excitement, it goes against what God says in his word. And in David's case, it was bumping the idea of marriage or sexuality or I don't know what you want to call it. This idea of one man and one woman in our culture today. A lot of people would say. Nah, I I, I don't I can't deal with that. That's not what my heart, that's not what my passion is telling me. That doesn't excite me. And a lot of people, they, they struggle with this. Even people that call themselves Christians struggle with this. Something that I've struggled with too because we get like David. And this ties into our first world problem today. Our minds are like theaters. And if we allow our minds to see certain things, all of a sudden that feeling comes. And David's excitement, David's passion had him saying, I want some sexual healing. And when King David was getting his peeping time on and he saw Bathsheba looking all good bathing, his passion, his lust, his feeling became his God. But what King David did was have someone find out who she was. And then he sent someone to get her. And this is in Samuel chapter 11, if you want to read it for yourself. Now, his dedication to his idol of him feeling passion and having excitement, it led King David to commit adultery. And some would say that King David even in a way raped her because it's like, what is she supposed to say? She's going to say no to the almighty king of Israel. But things we know for sure, this led David to murder a man and cover it up like he killed Bathsheba's husband to get rid of the fact that he was baby daddy to another man's wife. So so just because you love someone or something that doesn't make it godly love just because your passion took you there and i know some of you would say but but my love is not causing anyone to die or my love my passion it's not adulterous but if it's out of god's design order it will cause some type of death and in david's case it caused an actual physical death because the baby with bathsheba died in our case At the very least, it's going to cause a spiritual death and you got to keep your eyes open and know something in your life is dying when your passion is leading you outside of God's truths and God's will. I got to say that again. When your passion or excitement has you outside of God's will, God's design, God's order, you have to keep your eyes open and know something in your life is dying. It's at the very least dying in a spiritual sense. So we don't need to be enamored by excitement. We don't need to let our passion for the wrong thing become a God and let something spiritually die. And the next couple of feelings I want to actually put together because I want to talk about one person and that person being Peter. And these feelings are kind of like in the same family. The second feeling that is an idol is anger. And I think most know anger is wrong. But what about justifiable anger? Like anger when you are fighting for an injustice and you're trying to get justice. And then the third feeling that I want to tie into this one, because we're going to tackle these two together, would be fear. The feelings of fear and anger, they both create stress because we want what do we want. We want safety and we want comfort. And don't we feel like we have to have that? Peter who's one of Jesus' disciples in the Bible, he was definitely put in a situation where his safety and his comfort was about to be jeopardized. And this is the whole reason why Peter pulled out a sword and he cut off a man's ear. And a lot of people say this was easily justifiable because in a worldly sense, he was protecting his homie. He was protecting Jesus, who was about to be unjustly and unfairly arrested, arrested for no reason. I mean, this makes sense to me. Does does it make sense to you? He's just trying to protect a loved one who shouldn't even be detained or arrested anyway. And Peter's fear. What what was Peter's fear, though? Peter's fear was that Jesus was going to experience pain and death and that he wasn't going to be able to have the same relationship with his teacher, with with his boy, with his friend. So part of that is a fear and part of that is an anger. Like when you see someone being treated Unfairly, especially someone that you love, that that angers me. I don't know if it angers you, but that definitely angers me. And when someone is asked, "Why did you do that?" or why did you respond like that? How many times do we hear "Because they made me angry?" Or we hear, "Because I was angry, and when I get angry, that's just how I am. We see how that anger and that fear looks in Peter's case. But how does that anger look in your case? Like, is your anger causing you to act like one of Satan's angels? Or are you still able to stand strong and do it with God's principles intact? And when looking at Peter, what do you think Jesus thought about Peter responding like this? Well, it tells us. In Matthew 26, verse 52, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back in its place, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? That's like thousands of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? So Jesus is pretty much like, man, if I just snap my finger, if I just say the word, I could just have everything be like poof, go. Like, come on, Peter, you know what this is, man. But what we see with Jesus' response is he's looking at Peter like, don't allow your anger to act just like these people who are wrongly arresting me. And how many times do we do that? Someone wrongs us in our anger makes us wrong them too. so now you got two wrong people. And when you're hot-headed and you live by anger, the chances of you being wronged in the exact same or very way, they go way up. And later in Matthew 26, we see the feeling, the feeling that consumes us and makes any and every person act different. And that's the feeling of stress. And stress is there because we are uncomfortable and we love to be comfortable. It's there because of fear. And when you're uncertain and you you fight this way, that will have a five-year, that's my BFF relationship, ready to point out any and every flaw and be done with your best friend forever. Like when your comfort is in jeopardy, that will have you ready to give up and throw in a towel. Fear will make you forget all the ways you've been blessed and hate God. Uncertainty. Uncertainty will make you bitter. And cause stress. And stress is debilitating because it zaps your energy. It can make you anxious. It can make you depressed. It can make you constantly checking over your shoulder. And what we see later on in chapter 26 is Peter's God was fear. Fear because he had in his mind how Jesus should rule and how Jesus should be God. And when Jesus got arrested and Jesus gave himself up, Peter's world was flipped upside down. Now, I, I want you to think about this. How are you like Peter in wanting to be safe? How are you like Peter? Peter's world flipped upside down because Jesus let him down. How do you feel like God is letting you down or not answering your prayers? It might not be that God's not answering. It may be that you just don't like his answer and are like Peter was and in denial. It's easy. It's so easy to claim God and trust Him when we feel like we're being blessed how we want to be blessed. But it's not easy the other way. Like, it's not easy for me. I know it can't be easy for you. But something I want to point out when we allow fear to be our God, our idol, people in situations that aren't even confrontational, they automatically become confrontational to us. We feel attacked. And I'm going to break that down to you by paraphrasing Matthew 26 through 69 through 75. So when Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and some serving girl came up to him and was like, hey, you were with Jesus. Peter denied that. Peter was like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is a prime example of feeling attacked when somebody's not even attacking you. And then he went out to the gateway and there was another serving girl who saw him. She was like, you're that fellow that was with Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter, again, was like, I don't know him. But he took it to the next level. Like, I swear to God, I don't know, dude. I do not know this man. And then after a while, those standing up there, they were like, hold up. You definitely are one of them because you got an accent. That's what it is. You got an accent, dude. You sound just like him. That's the giveaway. And that's when Peter just lost it. Started cussing and swearing. I don't know this bleepity bleep man. Bleep, bleep, bleep. I don't know him. And the rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered about Jesus saying, you are going to deny me and you would disown me three times. And then Peter just lost it. And what we can see with this fear, with this type of stress, with this uncomfortability is it becomes an idol. It becomes an idol because it lies to us and it says we can't be safe. That's what Peter was worried about. We can't be comfortable how we want to be, how we desire And this this is the type of idol that jacks up our vision. It jacks up our perception on what really is actual. And that's what stress does. It makes God look like an enemy against us or a monster out to get us. It's an idol because we let these emotions dictate how we respond. And we can definitely see that in Peter's case. And instead of allowing God's grace and mercy to dictate our responses. All right. Now, on this episode of Modern Day Idols, my feelings, I want to move to the next feeling, which is entitlement. And none of us, none of us would say, I worship the feeling of entitlement. But we would say, I I deserve this. Like, I definitely deserve this. Or I've definitely heard people say, I'm entitled to be happy. But Luke 9 verse 23 shuts that down. Because if it's at the cost of being, being disobedient to God, or if it's at the cost of sinning, or if it's at the cost of putting God out the car, then nah, it doesn't work. This is the whole cause of evil and why the devil is who he is. He thought he deserved to be God. So he started a war with God. Like, what was he thinking? I mean, I guess we do that type of stuff, too. We are very childlike in this regard. Because when you look at it, you know what would make a five-year-old happy at dinner time Probably like Skittles, Twix, strawberry milkshake. Pancakes and syrup, please. But will this make them the best version of themselves? Will this help them grow? Will this help them be the healthiest person? possible little kid? Of course not. But the idol says you can worship God and you can make sure you get what you want, when you want it, how you want it. You deserve this job, so go ahead and badmouth your competition because they're doing the same thing. You know what? You deserve to have them say thank you and actually do something for you. And since they haven't said thank you in a while, stop doing it for them, even though God is telling you to keep doing it. Hey, you deserve better treatment in your marriage. But you know what? Since you're not getting it, it's okay for you to have your needs met by someone else or something else. I mean, you have a right to be happy. This is the slogan for the idol of entitlement. The idol of, I deserve something that goes against God's word, goes against God's timing or God's order. And you can't rush greatness, but you can expedite some consequences. So don't get outside of God's time and or God's order, because that's what this idol is all about. I deserve it now when I want it. The last feeling that I want to look at is the feeling of I want control. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on. And this sucks. And this is pretty illogical. And that sucks, too. Our culture tells us you control your destiny and meh, like to an extent i'm a big believer in controlling what you can control you can control your responses you can control your commitments you can control what you are working on or not working on but some stuff is just flat out out of our control and anyone in life can tell you some things in life like it just doesn't make sense abraham and and sarah were in that illogical this doesn't make sense stage Sarah being 75 or 76 years old and Abraham being 85 or 86 years old. They they started thinking like we old fam like this whole thing about being promised a child like or having a child like this isn't going to happen. They probably played the Marvin Gaye, they probably tried the Bryson Tiller. They probably did all the baby making tricks, Try this position, don't do that, try this, eat that. That's not biblical, but I say that because they came up with this bright idea or Sarah came up with this bright idea like hey, We haven't had a child yet, but Abraham, you know what you should do? You should have sex with my servant, and then we can call that child our own. Now, that idol and that feeling of control was screaming at them, y'all, oh, just give up. This is what you should do. And they stepped out of God's plan. They stepped out of God's order. They stepped out of God's will. And the big point, the big point I want to point out is this. Be careful. What you pray for and be careful what you say you're doing in the name of God, because it may not be godly and it eventually will cost you. This idol is like a credit card or loan because we surrender to this idol because we think or we feel like we need control. But it comes with a cost. It comes with a hefty cost. But this idol, this is an idol that makes you purchase things that you can't pay off right away. And it's got those crazy interest rates in the fine print that will have you saying, why, God? Like, why did I do this? This is so stupid. Or have you praying for the very thing that you manipulated, rushed or stepped out of God's will to get. And the same thing, the same thing happened to Sarah. She ended up saying to Abram, get this child and his mama out of my house now. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 16 and 21. This is one of those things where the idol, it pokes at us. It pokes at us because the false God keeps hearing us doubt God. It keeps hearing us say, I don't think he can work like this in my life. Or I don't even know if he wants to. Or I don't think he can do what I'm asking. What do you want to control in your life? Like, what do you want to control so bad that is causing a friction in your trust with God? And a lot of times with this idol, we can't see the friction that we have with God and we can't see the the distrust that we have. But that's the question that we have to keep asking ourselves. What do I want to control to the point that there's friction in my relationship? There's friction in the way that I trust God. And on this episode of modern day idols, my feelings, we have to look at how to handle these idols that are our feelings by looking at Jesus. Now, some notable feelings and emotions the Bible shows us Jesus experienced. It shows us Jesus experienced hunger and abandonment. That's when he was tested in the wilderness. The idol of entitlement was saying to Jesus, turn this rock into bread. You deserve it. That was an underlying half-truth. I mean, he definitely deserved it, but the devil told you to do it, so don't do it. You can find that in Luke or Matthew chapter 4. We see Jesus had anger, like he went off in the temple. He had anger with the Pharisees. We see the anger that sometimes he had with his disciples, but he never crossed that line. His anger was always justified and it was always in a, in a way that was pointing them back to God. His anger was rooted in the fact like this is not God's way. We see that Jesus experienced love. He, he experienced passion. He experienced heartache and Jesus definitely didn't chase safety or comfort. And John chapter 11 brings up these three feelings that I just mentioned of love, passion and heartache, because we see that Jesus has passion and but passion didn't become his idol and keep him from doing his work of the father. He trusted the father's timing. So to paint the picture for you, this is when Lazarus was sick and Lazarus eventually died. But when you read this, it says that Jesus knew he was sick, but he stayed where he was two more days when he got the message that Lazarus was sick. And I have to point out the encounter that he had with Martha. And you talk about Martha having the right perspective. Listen to this exchange. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And that's such a beautiful perspective because despite her hurt, despite her pain, despite her her feelings in that moment, she didn't disrespect to become angry and allow her feelings to be her savior. Because think about this, she asked him to come and he didn't come. Her prayer was not answered in the way that she wanted to be answered, but her feelings were not her idol. And we have to see with this that Jesus experienced heartache. Verse 35 says that he wept. And I know it hurt him to see other people hurt because they all realized like, if you would have been here, you could have saved him. But what we see, is that Jesus trusted in the father's time and he trusted in the father's plan. He trusted in the father's order. And that was always Jesus's focus. He didn't give in to the idol of his feelings, even though he was tempted like you and me. And of course, I got to bring up, of course, that he felt pain. He felt abandonment. He felt uncomfortability when he was arrested, when he was beat, when he was persecuted, when he was thrown on the cross, when he experienced our hell. But it's like, how did he deal with all of this? one is he never lost faith in his father's plan he trusted his father's plan even when it didn't feel good and the second one is when you look at jesus on the cross you look at jesus in his situations he was constantly quoting scripture and those are two takeaways that we can always keep close to our hearts in order to make sure that our feelings aren't becoming our modern day idols and this is the non-microwave truth thanks for joining me on this episode today this was the final of our four-part series of modern day idols if you haven't listened to the other ones go back and check them out and just understand it it's great to be aware of how you feel but but our feelings those aren't always god's truths or end all be all our feelings aren't the non-microwave truth well that's all folks peace punch captain crunch say no to drugs and yes to jesus I'm out.